The very worst thing about modern cars are these so-called Advanced Driver Assistance Systems, or ADAS, as it's glibly known by the industry. Advanced Driver Annoying Systems is far more like it, however, because if you are any kind of advanced driver, that's exactly what this technology manages to do on balance. ADAS sucks. Adaptive cruise control gets a free kick from me for being both reliable and not sucking, but the majority of ADAS just sucks a golf ball down a hundred metres of half-inch frickin' garden hose. ADAS is the Monica Lewinsky of automotive technology. There's no evidence that it saves any lives. The only thing that sucks harder than ADAS are the crash-testing clowns trying to make themselves look good by pushing it so frickin' hard down your throat. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au, new cars cheap, Australia-only website. Card. Okay, so every day when I get into my car, which is a late model, fully loaded, Mitsubishi Triton GSR, I sit my ass on the seat and I hit the starter. And that's when the useless warnings start. This is not specifically a Triton thing, right? Endless useless warnings are a hallmark of all modern cars. My Triton beeps its frickin' head off whenever the engine starts. It complains like ex-wives number two, four, and five inclusive. In this case, because I'm not wearing my seatbelt yet. Don't get me wrong, dude. If the car is moving, I am wearing my seatbelt every time. But to my knowledge, it's not actually any safer to start the car with the seatbelt already on. It's quite hard to crash in your own driveway in park with the handbrake on with a relative velocity of zero. I just like to start the engine and then get everything set up, like check the dashboard, the fuel status, the mirrors, the passengers' doors, outside environment, then I get the seatbelt on, all with the engine running. I get a bit of oil flowing, bit of initial heat into the moving parts. Like, it can't hurt, right? The car hates this, however, but that's how I want to do it, and I like to think that I'm on top. Then I drive up this very quiet street and around the corner. There's one way in and one way out. It's a quiet suburban street. And there's an S-bend. And the road is about four and a bit cars wide. And there are often parked cars. And I'm doing like 40 k's an hour. And if there's a parked car, the collision warning goes off. Repeatably, dependably with exactly the same repeatable dependability, that there's zero fucking chance of me hitting anything. Living la vie de Adas. A modern car is, in fact, an insult to human factors engineering best practice. And this situation is only getting worse. Cars would be better without most Adas. There is no evidence that ADAS is even saving lives. This report is sponsored by NordVPN. Get four extra months of Nord free now at nordvpn.com slash AEJC. 
say you're in a cafe one day and you think you've just connected to the free Wi-Fi. But in fact, a hacker has just inserted himself between you and the internet and he's about to start ripping you off properly. How would you even know? This is called a man-in-the-middle attack. It's one of the most common ways to get hacked. But there's no law that says you have to be the next victim. You need countermeasures, and that's what NordVPN does. NordVPN does the stuff that you and I don't understand in the background. Encrypting your data, hiding your IP address, locking everything down, basically. Go to nordvpn.com slash AEJC now. The two-year plan discount is huge right now. Plus, you're going to get four extra months free. nordvpn.com slash AEJC. Link in the description. Just subscribe, download the app and connect. One click later, your IP address is shielded, your online traffic is masked with NSA-level encryption across as many as six of your devices. NordVPN is the fastest VPN on the planet. It costs only about as much as one cup of coffee every month to keep your data, your identity and your devices secure. Because your location is masked, you'll be able to access streaming and other services that might be blocked where you live. Plus, you can continue to watch your favourite content when you travel. You might even be able to score some great deals on travel and accommodation that are not available at home. That happens all the time. Go to nordvpn.com slash AEJC now, boost your security and enjoy that discount plus those extra four months of free subscription time. It's totally risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash AEJC, link in the description. And thanks to Nord for sponsoring this episode. Car makers, regulators and taxpayer-funded crash test clowns have a lot of skin in the ADAS game. Billions have been spent by car makers developing it. Regulators are so keen to sex up the pot of gold at the end of the road trauma rainbow, you know, vision zero. All the lives saved and the injuries prevented with this exciting new ADAS tech. These are the agencies that won't improve driver training, can't get the worst recidivist drivers off the road, don't cut down even the most dangerous roadside trees or otherwise improve third-rate civil engineering. The shit technology of ADAS has become their freaking religion, or at least it's like a religion functionally because you're expected to believe and there's no evidence. And the crash test clowns, dude, they have made ADAS part of their five-star safety rating combo meal deal. Evaluating ADAS gives these people exciting new ways to spend your taxpayer funds, after all. None of these ADAS stakeholders will tell you the truth. ADAS is kind of a nice idea, but the implementation is ever so slightly shit, and there's no evidence all of this false, alarming, inconvenient, expensive, high-tech, in-car excrement actually makes driving safer. Over in America, the National Safety Council has a full page on its website explaining just how exciting 
ADAS really is. To start forecasting the potential impact ADAS technologies may have on traffic safety, a recent NHTSA study identified the crashes occurring today that could be prevented or mitigated if all vehicles were equipped with ADAS technologies. The estimates provided on this page also assume that the ADAS technologies are fully effective in preventing or mitigating the crashes they are designed to impact. Confirmation bias gold medal winners right there. Then they go on to claim various unicorn style outcomes. For example, that quote, ADAS technologies have the potential to prevent 20,841 deaths per year. Not 20,840 or 20,842, dude. 20,841. This is America, remember? So that's roughly half the American road toll. And apparently lane keeping assistance of those 20 and a bit thousand, lane keeping assistance might save about 15,000 people and autonomous braking for pedestrians might save another 4,000-ish lives. Might. But nobody really knows because there's no data. It's basically the same as the power of prayer. If there were evidence that any of this life-saving were happening, the road toll would be diminishing, would it not? And I think we could all live with the inconvenience of ADAS. But the road toll in America jumped 10.5% in 2021. And this was the fastest increase ever. This is an anti-advertisement for the life-saving prowess of ADAS, which is at best a rose-coloured maybe, cloaked in the virtue of hope and guesswork, and we are all paying for this technology and enduring it endlessly. There's a dude over there in the land of the First Amendment, which are the finest words ever enshrined constitutionally, by the way. His name is David Harkey, and he is the wheel at the IIHS, the IIHS, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. So they're a safety agency funded by insurance companies, and that means they've got three things, right? Deep pockets, kick-ass test facilities, and all of the crash data. Partial automation systems may make long drives seem like less of a burden, but there is no evidence that they make driving safer. In fact, the opposite may be the case if systems lack adequate safeguards. That's Big D from the IIHS right there in this post on their blog. Partial automation means ADAS, essentially, specifically things like lane-keeping assistance and adaptive crews. And adequate safeguards means things like so-called driver monitoring systems, but I think we should call it by a far more accurate name, driver stalking systems, where the car which is looking at you through a camera, monitors the tilt of your head and your grip on the wheel and things of this nature, and makes ongoing assessments about your fitness to continue driving, and beams it all back to the mothership. That's in every car maker's totally fucked up lack of privacy policy, in case you're wondering. It's all a bit HAL 9000, only badly implemented, like maybe the Soviets had a hand in it or something, as opposed to being just 
maliciously ironic in freaking space. A 2019 study by the American Automobile Association, the, is that the AAA or the MAA? I have trouble with that. Anyway, that study found that pedestrian detection ADAS is completely freaking useless at night, which is when three quarters of pedestrians actually get hit. Go figure. You might argue that the technology will rapidly improve, like night vision, whatever. I'd respectfully suggest that full autonomy has been 12 to 18 months away now for more than a decade. And that's straight from the lips of electric Jesus. And he never lies. Fusion power has been roughly 10 years away ever since I was a child. And look at me, dude, that was a long time ago. And guess what? It's still about 10 tantalising years away. Even if they can unfuck ADAS tomorrow, there's still the inertia in the traffic system, like millions of cars, each lasting 10 to 20 years to replace. That's rather a long wait if you plan to be dancing down the median strip after a big drink next Friday night. Dude. And then there are still the dangerous drivers still on the roads and the imperfect civil engineering, and ADAS is not a cure for that crap. Back in 1975, a dude named Sam Peltzman wrote a story about people who took more risks when they wore a seatbelt because they felt that the car was safer, which was some kind of justification, perhaps. This behaviour is called risk homeostasis. It's also called, occasionally, the Peltzman effect. This feedback effect is alive and well and living in ADAS. Perhaps you are tempted to check your messages on your phone. You might think it's safe enough to do so if the car has lane-keeping assistance, pedestrian detection and automatic brakes. Pro tip, it's not. The Peltzman effect essentially means that any safety benefit is to some degree negated by the adaptation of, let's call them, the idiot to being in a system with allegedly superior technology, like safer technology. A study in October 2021 by the American AAA, MAA, whatever, found that having adaptive cruise control increased by 18% the share of drivers who exceeded the speed limit. Safer tech, more risky behaviour, Sam Peltzman. And car makers do so talk this tech up out of all proportion to the benefit. Autonomous emergency braking, like the next road safety silver bullet, right? They can't even just call it what it is. Automatic braking. The way many of these systems operate gives people the impression that they're capable of doing more than they really are. Alexandra Mueller there, a research analyst at the IIHS from the same 2022 blog post is Big D, whom I quoted earlier. In this study by the AAA in America in September of 2022, they found that AEB prevented 85% of crashes in a particular test scenario at 30 miles an hour, which is about 50 k's an hour. So that's awesome. Big win. But at 40 miles an hour, like a third faster, 64 k's an hour, the crash prevention rate fell 
to 30%. And I'd suggest that that's ever so slightly marked. Big inversion within a very small window of operational speed, right? I'd rather prevent the far more dangerous crashes at higher speeds, like if there's a choice. Researchers at San Jose State University found in 2022 that ADAS-equipped vehicles were less likely to crash at four-way intersections, so yay, but more likely to hit pedestrians and cyclists. So I'm not so sure that's a net benefit. There's also a dark side to easing the burden of driving with, for example, adaptive cruise and lane-keeping assistance. If an activity becomes more enjoyable, you'll probably do more of it. And risk is more or less proportional to exposure if everything else is equal. Also, a 2022 study of truck drivers found that they were significantly slower to react and intervene when an automated system had been doing their heavy cognitive lifting of driving. And the US Department of Transportation found in 2016 that pilots were too reliant on automation. The agency is missing important opportunities to ensure that pilots maintain skills needed to safely fly and recover in the event of a failure with flight deck automation or an unexpected event. That study on the pilots concluded, quote, reliance on automation is a growing concern. The pro tip there, okay, I once asked the chief flying instructor for Black Hawk helicopter training with the Australian Army about the parallels and the differences between military flying and driving. He told me a lot of interesting things about how they roll, including that at 5,000 feet or something, there's often a lot of time to sort operational problems out. But on the freeway, not so much. But even when drivers understand the limitations of partial automation, their minds can still wander. As humans, it's harder for us to remain vigilant when we're watching and waiting for a problem to occur than it is when we're doing all the driving ourselves. Alexandra Mueller from the IIHS there again, and I'm really liking her, I have to say. She makes a lot of sense. This issue, like the inherent shitness of ADAS, working badly, if at all, and undermining human vigilance, matters. Like, it really matters if, for example, you go to ANCAP's website today to try to decide on the safest car for you and your family. Because there are now a heap of cars assessed by ANCAP that crash just like a five-star car, but they get four stars or even three because of some perceived ADAS deficiency. In my estimation, ANCAP and his big sister, Euro NCAP, have officially lost the plot. They're no longer a credible, reliable source of public safety information. I'd categorise the whole thing as being so confusing today and so off target that it is next to useless. I recently changed the crash test protocols and the scores yet again for 2023 so you can't compare today's ratings with those of any previous years. Plenty of new cars available today were rated five stars like four years ago or five years ago or something. So that's kind of meaningless if you want to make a comparative determination. 
it effectively makes it impossible to draw reliable inferences about the relative safety of direct new car competitors unless they were rated in the same fucking year. For example, a Kia Seltos was tested in 2019 and it's five stars in 2019. The new Hyundai Kona, like the brand new one, a direct competitor for the Seltos and almost certainly a safer car as it would want to be being brand new, just scored four stars in Europe against the stricter new 2023 standard and it got hilariously chastised by Euro NCAP for limping over the line with just four stars. Last placed, and the real disappointment in this release is the Hyundai Kona, which scrapes by with four stars. In reality, lucky to avoid three stars. This result is due to its substandard test performance, especially in driver assistance and crash avoidance. Just to be perfectly clear on this one, Kona met the ADAS minimum threshold to earn four stars, which is 60%. It was also four stars on pedestrian and vulnerable road user protection, but it met the five star thresholds for both adult and child occupant protection. In other words, when it comes to protecting the people inside, the new Kona met the five star thresholds. Hyundai has made the car larger and its interior bigger to compete within its class, but the company should not assume that its customers are content with a level of safety which lags behind its competitors. That's Euro NCAP there again, making a joke of itself with a side serve of negligent inaccuracy, in my view. And I'm going to show you why. 2023 assessments differ significantly from previous years and star ratings should not be directly compared with those from earlier years. Euro NCAP there again giving the public advice via its website today. Advice which Euro NCAP itself does not take apparently. Go figure. See, I went and looked at the 12 best-selling Kona competitors here in Shitsville. In no particular order, they are the Jolion, Seltos, CX30, MGZS, the ASX and Eclipse Cross, Qashqai, Crosstrek, Knee XV, the T-Rock, CHR, a Motor 5, and the Corolla Cross. These vehicles are all going to sell at least 5,000 units here in Shitsville this year. They're kind of biggish sellers. None of them have been tested to the 2023 standard, right? So it's absurd and inaccurate and against Euro NCAP's own advice, in my view, when Euro NCAP starts bullshitting on about Kona lagging behind competitors, when Euro NCAP itself has not tested a single one of those competitors to the same standard as the new Kona, and actually takes the time to advise the public not to make inferences such as that one using older data. Go figure, dude. Like, <coughs> to be fair, Seltos is on my list, but it's not actually sold in Europe. So where does it fit in? Like, it was tested by ANCAP in 2019, and it was five stars back then. Euro NCAP and ANCAP share the same test procedures and timelines, so they're directly comparable. 
Jolion isn't on Euro NCAP's website either, at least not that I could find. It was tested by NCAP in 2022 and earned five stars, but again, these are now outdated protocols, 2022. Amoda 5 and Corolla Cross also got five stars against the 2022 standard. Kashkai got five in 2021. The rest are either 2017 and 2019 ratings, except for the ASX, which was tested way back in the Stone Age of 2011. Pro tip, okay. Had the new Kona been tested against 2022 criteria, it would have earned five stars. This is just a fact, objectively. I'm not speculating. It is abundantly clear from the data and objectively true. Therefore, it is entirely reasonable and accurate to say that the new Kona is just as safe as a Jolion, a Moto 5 or Corolla Cross because all of these vehicles qualify for five-star ratings against the 2022 Euro NCAP standard. Critical thinking thus says that Kona does not lag behind its competitors on safety. It's exactly the same as, or better than, its key competitors. Euro NCAP's grandstanding claims on this are just self-serving bullshit that do not hold water, at least as far as I can tell. And if you think I'm just some Hyundai fanboy on this, please accept a barbed wire enema from me to assist with the festive season, dude. Because I just so rogered them with that barbed wire enema on a current affair last week, and that's on the record, for not looking after a punter whose sunroof exploded. I'm pretty sure, therefore, that there is a dartboard with my face on it right now in Hyundai's head office. Oh well. ANCAP is, I suppose, carefully considering right now how they can craft some... A-grade bullshit messaging around this outcome in the near future, the better to make them look good to the feds, because that's the source of their taxpayer-funded river of gold. So I would expect nothing less than a full gonad-busting release from them in due course, only hopefully a bit more accurate than Big Sisters. One final point on these crash-testing clowns while we're down here. This is in the domain of vital information in the public interest, okay? They've got this new so-called MPDB crash test, their new wonder test, and it's a joke, dude. It's, it's not even funny. You can look it up, okay? Movable progressive deformable barrier crash test, that's what it's called. That's the one that uses this outrageously expensive Thor crash test dummy to simulate the driver. The reason it's a joke is that car makers have to make a real choice now, and you're not going to like it. The choice is, how well do we want to pass this test versus how much of a compromise is that going to be in terms of actually protecting real people in the vehicle in the real world? Because... Make no mistake, this is a very basic Newton's third law proposition. The better you do in this test, the more your real world safety is going to suck.
This is clearly not a benefit to you or me. Who gives a shit about the test? I give a shit about surviving in a real crash. It's a very poor choice by them, therefore, I'd argue. Emblematic of being completely out of touch. And you're paying for it, dude. In a nutshell, ADAS sucks, right? They say it could save all these lives, but there's no evidence. And it's not looking good. Thank God, therefore, that we live in the golden age of bullshit because that's the only reason ANCAP and Euro ANCAP get away with including these half-baked bullshit assistance systems in their testing and safety ratings. Like, it's so great to see fundamentally safe cars getting shot in the kneecaps because their bullshit safety systems are somehow deemed just as vital as their crash performance. And it's equally awesome to see ANCAP and Euro ANCAP copping such a reach around from the taxpayer to motivate car makers to compromise real world safety so they can ace a fundamentally bullshit crash test. Apart from that, the safety rating systems and the ongoing deployment of partial autonomy out there on the roads that annoys the shit out of you and me every day, well, I'd suggest it's working just fine, dude. <laughs>